Right, first John. First John, two verses. First John one. Uh, first John two. And verses one and two. Come with me to the Lord, to the throne of grace, brethren. We thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you that you are our Father which art in heaven. Oh God, as we come to remember thy broken body and shed blood, I pray that, Father, we would come with humble and contrite hearts. Father, that we would, Father, as the old hymn says, that we would view sin the way we should. And Father, that we should know that every sin is against you, Father. We're so thankful for Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're thankful for his cross. Oh God, for his broken body and shed blood for our sins. We come to remember it again. And Father, we, we want to be obedient to the command of Christ. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. So Father, I pray that you would accept our worship. Father, you would accept our confession of our sins and Lord, I pray that you would uh, meet with us, Father, both in this hour and the next. And we want to give you the praise. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. First <clears throat> John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate, a paraclete, an intercessor, one that's called to our side, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He satisfied the wrath of Almighty God in our place. Our sins were laid upon his holy soul. So he is the propitiation for our sins. If it was not for Christ, we could not approach unto God. In fact, in the Ark of the Covenant, when I'm reading Exodus right now and that that lid was a covering and inside the ark was that table with the commandments and it covered it was over the top of the law and it covered um, it covered the law it covered those other things that were in the ark of the testimony and it was in that place the mercy seat which it's called which is the propitiatory um, and that's what it means in the new testament that was the place that god said i will meet with you at the mercy seat and so um, that mercy seat was only to be approached by the high priest. And, fought, and brethren, in Christ, that's how we approach God. We come to his throne of grace where his mercy is. And we can only come because of Christ. So he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Listen, for every believer here, and for that matter, for every believer anywhere, two very important words in verse 1 are the two words, sin not. Sin not. And listen, I want you to understand, yes, we're still clothed in the body of sin. And yes, we still fall into sin. Yes, we still have the old man to contend with. We still have the old man to kill. And yes, we still fall into sin. But let it never be that you and I sin intentionally. Let that never be, beloved. Let us delight ourselves in the Lord in such a way that we don't. 
And even saying that, I know that there are times when we do sin intentionally. But beloved, let it be our emphasis. Let it be our desire to not sin. In fact, John says, these things I write unto you that you sin not. <clears throat> let it be that you never sin knowing that you're going to sin. And beloved, that's what my heart is. And I pray that would be your heart to never surrender yourself to sin. <clears throat> Listen, Christ saved us from our sins. But what does it say about our salvation if we continue to sin in the same manner in which we did before we were saved? There ought to be a massive difference between who you were before God saved you and who you are after God saved you. He saves us, Matthew 121, from our sins. <clears throat> now, you may have said this statement. I've said it, and I don't want to say it. <clears throat> There's a way to say it, but I don't want to say it like this, I guess. When you're talking to somebody about Christ. Well, you know, we're going to sin anyway. We're still going to sin. I don't want to say that. And I don't think it's right that we say that. Because when we think like that, and when we say things like that as a Christian, it communicates a deluded, a powerless, and a compromised Christianity. Listen, if, if the power of God went forth to save you and give you a new heart and to change you, you should be, I use the word massively, vastly different now. And you should definitely not sin as you did before you were saved. Now listen, I'm not saying that we don't sin. I'm not saying that. And I'm not preaching a Christianity of sinless perfectionism, is that you could achieve that. That's not what I'm communicating. That's not what John's saying. But beloved, when our thinking is, well, we're just going to sin, then it's the language of surrender. It's the mindset of surrender. Well, you know, I'm just going to sin. And if we think like that, then when we are confronted with a temptation or a sin, we may just go ahead and do it. And we may think, well, you know, that's, you know, we're just going to sin. That must not be the emphasis of our hearts, beloved. And that's not the language of the Holy Scriptures. And it doesn't represent what genuine salvation is. If salvation is by the power of God, then that power from God must do something in us. It must make us think completely differently about sin. But listen, there are professing Christians in the world and their salvation is nothing more than a decision to believe in Christ and go on in their sins. Because they never really live a life of repentance. They don't live a life of being convicted. They're not tender over their sins. They just continue to sin. And I've met folks like that where you'd never know that they're a Christian. And they'll say, oh, I believe in Christ. But yet there's, there's been no power exhibited that shows forth in their lives. It's like they're still the old man and they still cater to the old man. Listen, I don't want that to be any of us. If that is what we think and say, well, you know, we're just going to sin. Again, what are you saying about the power of God in your salvation? Do you think differently about sin now, and that's a question. Do you think differently about sin now than you used to when you were lost? You shouldn't still desire sin. Now, listen, we all have that struggle, but we should struggle against it. Listen, haven't your desires changed as a Christian? They should have. 
Hasn't God given you and I the grace and strength to mortify and kill it, to cast it off? In fact, we should hate it. The Psalms, David says, through thy precepts I get understanding and I hate every false way. And listen to, I hate to use the word succeed, but to succeed in this by the will of God, beloved, we need to be in the word Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And so that's, beloved, how we sin not. The Apostle John in this text was not teaching us that we can live the Christian life free of sin, um, free from a sin nature. We still have a nature. We still have the old man, and that's the one. The old man needs to be killed. That's what Ephesians talks about. Put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. The old man wants to sin. We need to put him off. Mortify, therefore, your members upon the earth. Mortify those attitudes. Mortify wicked thoughts when they come up. Don't let them come out. Kill them. That's what we're called to do, beloved. That's the work of the Christian life. In fact, we know John's not teaching that we don't sin. Look at chapter 1, verse 5. Just look back up there. He says this then is the message which we have heard of him that is Christ and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, that is intentionally walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, how do you walk in the light? If you walk in the light, you you walk with God in the word. You avail yourself to the means of grace. You don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You seek the Lord in prayer. You fellowship with the saints. You talk about those things that edify. You provoke one another to love and to good works. That's how you walk in the light. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So we know we still have sin. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So listen, beloved, there will never be a day in your earthly life when you will not need this passage. Specifically, verse 9, if we confess. Let me just say it here. I'll say it later, but let me just say it here. One of the, the biggest differences between a lost sinner and a, and a saint is that a saint acknowledges they've sinned against God to God. They acknowledge their sins. They're broken over their sins. And listen, even in this, beloved, we struggle at times there are times when our hearts are cold and we don't struggle as we could but when it comes down to it we will acknowledge our sins psalm 51 david said i acknowledge my transgressions my sins are ever before me a lost person they might acknowledge that they've sinned most often they won't but they won't acknowledge that they've sinned against god if they did then I believe they're at the doorstep of salvation. And so, um, 
Beloved, there will never be a day in your earthly life when you don't need this passage. Listen, we cannot say that we have no sin. And we cannot say that we have not sinned. But let us never be content with the thought that, well, we're just going to sin. Let that never be us. Excuse me. Listen, if there is no difference between you, Christian, and lost sinners regarding sin, then where is the power of God and the power of the death of Christ on the cross for your salvation and the salvation from your sin? Listen, if I'm saved from my sin, should I still sin the way I used to? Well, no. The answer is no, a resounding no. Listen, there is a massive difference between the lost and the saved. A Christian should and will live as one who is saved and freed from their sins, freed from the wickedness that's in the world. If you're saved, you should and will continue to turn away from your sins. You should hate your sins. You should acknowledge your sins, be convicted by your sins. You should humbly confess your sins to the Lord. Beloved, those things should be true about us. To the lost, they live in their sins and their rebellion against God. Sin indwells them and they are under the reign and dominion of sin. Listen, if you're in Christ, sin no longer reigns in you. In fact, in Romans 5.21, you don't have to turn there. Either grace is reigning in you or sin is. Either grace, the grace of Christ, or sin is. Listen, the lost do not see sin as exceeding sinful, especially the lost who know of Christ and the gospel and will not believe it. The lost will not acknowledge to God that they have sinned against him and his holy law, nor that they have rebelled against his word and his gospel call. And so, beloved John's words again, my little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Listen, sin reigns in the sinner. Grace reigns in the righteous. When God saved you, Christian, he made you different. He made you different. And listen, these are truths that we must take hold of by faith and believe. He made you different. He made you a new creation in Christ. He didn't leave you in the same condition that you were when you were lost and dead in your sins. God doesn't save us and leave us in the same condition. He makes us new. And the scriptures are replete. They're full with this truth. And so listen, the massive difference between you, Christian, and the lost should be notable. It should be obvious in you. Boy, my throat's getting me. The difference should be obvious. That sin no longer reigns in you. You no longer indulge yourself in your sins. And listen, this should be notable to you in you. That you no longer indulge in sin. That you hate your sins. I used to love my sins. I can tell you that when I was lost, I loved my sins. I did. Beloved, that should no longer be who I am. As a Christian, when you do sin, you run to the cross, you run back to the cross, you repent, you confess your sins. Sin not, child of God, is the language and command from God and from his holy scriptures to each of us 
And it should be the consistent desire and language of our hearts. That should be a prayer each day. Lord, I don't want to sin against you this day. Father, help me to delight myself in thy statutes. Help me to walk in thy word, O God. Now let me show you some passages. Turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 and verse 12. Psalm 19 and verse 12. Now before I read these passages, will you ever achieve sinless perfectionism? No. In this life, that is, no. Will you ever go through a day when you don't sin? No. But how do you think? How do you think as you go into each day? Do you face a sinful situation and just say, well, you know, I'm just going to sin anyway. That should not be how we face anything in the world, beloved. We should not. Look at what David wrote in verse 12, Psalm 19. Who can understand his errors? Well, you know who should? You and me, Christian. We should understand. We should understand that all of our sins were laid upon Christ. And should I want to embrace one of the sins, one of the whips from the cat of nine tails, the evil and wicked words that they shouted at our Lord. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You know what a presumptuous sin is? If you look in the Old Testament and you see that word presumptuous, if you have a marginal rendering, it means sinning with a high hand. It means sinning and you know you're sinning. And you know what kind of sin in the Old Testament that there was no sacrifice for? That one. That one. There was no sacrifice for sinning presumptuously with a high hand. Look at Psalm 39 and verse 1. Psalm 39 and verse 1. The psalmist here was resolved to sin not. Notice he says, I said I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my mouth or with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. So you see the psalmist, he He said, I will take heed to my ways. And that needs to be the language of our hearts. Listen, as we go into each day, Lord, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not. Now, look at Psalm 119. What's the desire of your heart, beloved? We can't go carelessly into our day. without deliberate desire to take heed to our ways. Look at Psalm 119, verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 133. You see the emphasis here? You see the desire? You see where where the psalmist is going? I don't want to sin. Verse 133, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Listen, sometimes there's besetting sins and there's something that 
we just don't want to acknowledge we don't want to acknowledge it and the further along we get in our Christian lives beloved I don't know about you but I pray it would be about all of us is that we should have a very tender heart about any sin that we shouldn't want to sin and so beloved I pray that that would be us let not any iniquity have dominion over me John 5.14 the gospel of John 5.14 this was the lame man that lay at the pool of Bethesda he didn't know who Jesus was and then he went and, he went and found the Lord or the Lord found him and afterward yeah Jesus findeth him in the temple verse 14 and said behold thou art made whole see those three words sin no more lest a worse thing come upon thee sin no more John 8 11 you don't have to turn there the woman taken in adultery what did he tell her he said go and sin no more now specifically in the context there he said you need to stop committing adultery she was guilty <laughs> go and sin no more he tells her go and sin no more don't live the way you used to live Romans 6 1 you know that passage you can probably quote it I know most of you can Paul says shall we continue in sin that grace may abound so shall I continue in sin as a Christian no God forbid may it never be how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein no I don't want to live like that anymore Lord Look at verse 11, same chapter. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Don't just surrender to it and say, yeah, well, you know, we're just going to sin. Don't do that. Let it not reign in your mortal body that you should obey it. Verse 17, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. You were the servants of sin. Ephesians 2.1, you know, and you hath he quickened who were, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And listen, this is probably one of the best passages. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's past. Mm -hmm. Among whom we all had our conversation in times past of the, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and we were by nature were by nature children of wrath but not anymore because now we're saved by grace through faith not of ourselves and now we are his workmanship we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works so we're new creations just a few more Titus chapter 2 I just want to fill this up Fill your mind with these passages and I, I pray that this would be a holy emphasis for you every day that you go into every day and say, Lord, I don't want to sin. I pray that, look, that's, I pray that would be your emphasis. Your desire. 2.11 of Titus, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present evil world. So you see, 
the, the writers of the scriptures, the Apostle Paul and the prophets, they always give an em emphasis of, no, put off sin and put on righteousness. Adorn yourself with Christ, beloved. That's, that's the Christian life. 1 Peter 4 and verse 1. 1 Peter 4, 1. He says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, I like this, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So, man, what a wonderful scripture. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. To, we live like sinners in the past when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. And this is what people should think about you. The sinners that you used to frequent and traffic with. They should think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. In other words, you're different now. So they see that. It should not be that you still run with them. And finally, the last passage, 1 John 3. <clears throat> Whosoever, verse, verse 4, I'm sorry. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. See, he was manifested to take away our sins. Whosoever abideth in him, that is, in Christ, sinneth not. In other words, he doesn't indulge himself in sin. He doesn't live in sin. He doesn't habitually practice sin in his life. It's not his business. That's, I'm not, I don't live in sin anymore. I hate sin. Yes, I fall prey to it because the old man rises up at times, but it's not who I am anymore. He said, so whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness, that's our practice. That's our business. That's who we are in Christ now. Even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. He that habitually commits sin, it's his life. It's his practice. He indulges himself in sin. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed unto every child of God. Now look, the vast difference is written in verse 10 between you and the sinner. In this, and John just talked about it, he said, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And so he gives us that vast difference. Listen, if someone, is, someone professes to be a Christian, and they still love their sins, they still indulge themselves in their sins... They don't fight off sin. They don't repent of their sins. They don't confess their sins. John says you're a liar. You're the devil. That's, that's the practice of your life. It's clear. But beloved, that should not be any of us.
And so remember, in time past, that's who we used to be. So what's our desire? Our desire every day should be, Lord, I don't want to sin. Listen, let it never be, my beloved brethren, that you and I surrender and yield ourselves to sin. Yes, we live in a body of sin. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But let us never agree with the old man. Let us never love our sins. Let us cast them off, beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves, as Paul said in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That should be our desire each day. And listen, I'll tell you this. If you're in Christ, the older in Christ you get, the less you should sin. The less you should. I mean, listen, if we still sin the way sinners do, what's the difference in being saved and lost? I mean, there would be no difference. And that's not the Christian's life. And so now we come to the Lord's Supper as saints, not sinners. We're saints. When Paul wrote the epistles... He wrote to the saints at Corinth, to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Colossae, to the saints at Thessalonica. And now, beloved, we come as the saints of God in Springfield, in Louisiana, to the Lord's Supper, to remember that he died for our sins. And, beloved, as much as our hearts help us before God, may it be our prayer to not sin, as John said. Now, we know we have an advocate, and we know what John wrote in the first chapter. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's another difference to, between the saint and the sinner. The saint sins and the saint sees his need of acknowledgement and confession of his sin. That should be us, beloved. And so turn back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians 11. He says, verse 23, I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Amen. I ask Brother Gary if you'll come past the, the crackers out. This is a good time for us to be introspective and just to examine our hearts. Um, and listen, don't ever think that this preacher doesn't need to examine his heart. And don't ever think that I don't have the same struggles that you do. Um, I do. Um, with the old man and with sin. Uh, but beloved, it's all about our looking to Christ and trusting Him and depending on Him and believing His Word that He will help us. He will strengthen us. He will help us to turn from sin. And listen, that's Listen, that's the grassroots, the rubber, that's where the rubber meets the road of the Christian life, is I need, I need God's help. I can't do this in and of myself. I, don't, I can't walk the Christian life in the flesh. I need God's help. So I pray that 
you would be adamant and fervent in prayer that God would help you help you to turn from sin constantly in your life and that you would never surrender and listen when we're talking to others about Christ and listen I know what, I know what people mean when they say well look I know we're, you know we're still going to sin that's just not a good way to express the Christian life yes we still live in a body of sin but beloved we, we the emphasis needs to be we think completely differently about sin we don't want to sin we hate sin and we want to be tender when we do so Amen, I'm going to turn this off.